FMX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Liat Re-Raceables podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading, telling a friend. Please uh, subscribe, rate, and review if you can. Uh, it helps us get the show to out there to more people. We really appreciate it. And uh, this is the 2014 Glen Helen National Opener. Uh, the series was back at Glen Helen, and there's certainly lots to get into and uh, lots to talk about when it comes to this race. Thank you to the folks at Liat. Different people ride for different reasons, yet there's a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body on the line for the sheer enjoyment of it, and this is what Liat offers as a brand. They make protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, and more. Of course, their neck braces have been all re- redesigned over the years, and uh, they make it for moto and mountain bike as well, and what really stands out for Liat is the promise of things to come. They are in the business of making sure that you have the confidence and equipment to push yourself faster, harder, and further than you ever thought you could go. Visit them at Liat.com, and of course, Vince Freeze making a podium with Liat gear the last time we lined up. Mitchell Oldenburg wearing Liat as well this year, doing a good job, so thanks to those guys. If you want to save with Liat, email me using, email me using the contact form on pulpamex.com, and I'll send you a code to save with Liat. Thanks to those guys for coming on board the podcast as well. Max's Tires, Scott Goggles, Pro Taper, and new... Is Guts Racing. Yeah, Guts. Uh, please check out Guts Racing. They make seats, foams uh, for any kind of make and model, uh, lightweight phantom uh, seat foams that are super lightweight, and uh, they make design your own color uh, of covers. They make uh, ribbed ones. They make ones for traction, all sorts of colors. And up in NorCal, the folks at Guts Racing make seats for a lot of teams in the pits right now that you watch all the time. So thank you to Guts for coming on board this podcast and recognizing greatness when they listen to it. Also, speaking of greatness, Johnny Knowles and Scott Sports, they've been providing the best in goggle technology to all motorsport disciplines for over 50 years. Scott's the global leader in innovation, technology, and design, the only goggle made in the USA. Uh, when you talk about Jason Anderson, the pro circuit guys, you talk about Chad Weenan, Walker Fowler, so they got the off-road guys covered, they got Supercross covered. They choose a quality product and support from Scott. Scott is excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the re Raceables podcast. Uh, thank you to Scott for coming on board. Pro Taper and Maxis, we'll talk to you more about later on. Uh, we have our Liet Racing Re-Raceables categories coming up as well. I'm Steve Mathis, of course. With me on the line to discuss Glenn Helen, the man who called it that day on TV, uh, along with Grant Langston. It's Jason Wygan. What's up, Weege? Yeah. What's happening? Well, this is significant. Um, this race we picked because it is the kickoff of what is still going today which is Star Racing's dominance of the 250 class, more specifically really the 250 National Motocross Championship, but also that would include Supercross eventually as well. Uh, it all started here. Like, they literally went from a team we used to make fun of. We literally did that. Like, we didn't just say they were not good. They were laughable at uh, some point, their efforts. They went through and, three team managers in one year, just hired and fired three team managers. Okay, yeah, yeah lots yeah. of... You know, one and done rookie riders. We're going to try this guy. Then the next yep. year, try another guy. The next year, <laughs> try another guy. 
Uh, and it all changed here with an absolutely dominant performance by Jeremy Martin, who had never won a national until this day. Mm-hmm. And then his teammate Cooper Webb got second. And then they quickly proved that was no fluke because they were going 1-2 almost week in and week out. I think Blake Baggett, by the end of the series, he just barely outdueled Webb for second in points. But Martin won the title going away. He'd win the title again the next year. And then Webb would win the title the year after that. And then you're going through Plessinger and Ferrandis and Justin Cooper almost won it last year. It just keeps going, right? And yep. it all started here. Uh, this race, Glen Helen 2014. Yeah, absolutely. And you know why it started. Uh, Yamaha, uh, we saw them come out with the backwards motor YZ450 for 2010. I believe this is 2014. Well, this is the brand new bike for Yamaha. So they've ditched the carburetor. They ditched the oil tank, all the stuff that the 250F uh, was uh, was happening. And they'd been passed by other manufacturers over the years. Of course, they, they came out with the first ever 250F and and really uh, set the uh, brand on fire at that point. But by 2014, it was long in the tooth, but oh no. Uh, For 2014, they reversed the motor on the 250F. Uh, They added the EFI. Um, They've got the uh, motor backwards. They've got the direct injection down uh, with velocity shooting down into the motor. Uh, You have a ton of air being pushed through the motor via the backwards motor design with the airbox up high where the gas tank was. And this thing makes horsepower. And um, so obviously, look, Cooper Webb and Jeremy Martin, as they've shown, are all-timers, Weege. But the bike made a statement at Glen Helen to me more than the riders this on this day. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk to Jeremy Martin in this show. But as you pointed out to him, uh, you were saying just watching just those hills yes. at Glen Helen. Yes. It was notable. No, I remember watching practice. And he was oh. pulling dudes up these hills. And so was Webb, and so was somebody else on Yamaha. And I'm like, holy smokes, look at those bikes. They have so much more speed at the bottom. They have more speed at the top. You can visibly see it. And I'm like, oh, boy. Um, So, yeah, uh, the bike deserves a big part of it. Yamaha, they didn't nail the 450 the first time, uh, turning the motor around. Um, A lot of things going on with the... Uh, the way the frame flexed when you gassed it and the the torque that the motor put out. Um, they they did a bunch of things to the frame to help that where they are now in 2022, the class-leading 450 for the most part in most shootouts. But they really got the 250 right with that motor because in that class, it's horsepower, 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 and that's what they did, turning that motor around and getting a lot of air in there as well as the injection coming straight down to the motor, which increases velocity of the flow of gas and... Yeah, it was a big deal. It's always one of the strangest things that uh, when Yamaha first introduced this bike design, which was actually first seen on the Cannondale, that had the intake in the front and the gas tank in the middle, uh, where normally the you know most dirt bikes have the gas tank in front of the bike or in front of the motor and the airbox behind the motor. So it's just flipped. Uh, Cannondale had that. And then when Yamaha did this in 2010, I feel like the thing that they touted more than anything, this was about mass centralization. It was about being able to tilt the cylinder and cylinder head back to the middle of the bike a little more Mm -hmm. and be able to put the gas tank in the middle of the bike so all the weight would be centralized. And I remember them saying, like, everybody's trying to centralize the mass, have the mass in the middle of the bike, not hanging off the ends. You know, this is just our way of doing that. And the power advantages, I feel like Yamaha never really touted that, even though I mean, I've talked to Brad Hoffman, who builds the motors there for Star, and he's like, it's obvious. Like, you can just look from the airbox into the intake, into the head. It's a completely straight shot. Where, And you talked about this even with the old KTM days, Steve. Like, a shock, a linkage, and an airbox, combining all of those pieces is inherently a compromise. 
of packaging. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the Yamaha motor doesn't have those compromises. But what's odd is, you're right, it didn't even really work that well when they first did it. I mean, these early 450s, fair or unfair, I mean, look, James Stewart was just did everything he could to get off of that motorcycle. So here's what's odd. The same exact design and literally the same frame. The 250 has been super well-received. It's the bike everyone wants to have. And the 450, it has been in a tough road. Now, they've got it obviously going pretty well now with Ferrandis and Tomac. But it's very odd that the same things that made the 250 great are the things that everyone didn't like mm-hmm. or at least was worried about on the 450. Isn't that crazy how that worked? Yeah, just more horsepower, more weight adds uh, flexing to places that you don't want, you know, and it's hard to control. Yeah. But um, yep. so this all is. All I can think of is yep. this it, the, the engine design. Like you said, it's all about the motor in the 250 class, right? So if you have an engine design that is better than everyone else's, nothing else even matters. <laughs> no. If you get more horsepower in it on a 125 two-stroke or nowadays a 250F, that's just too big an advantage uh, that nothing else is going to be able to overcome that. We know in the 450 class, power, maybe the Yamaha can produce more power than the other 450s, but does that really make a difference? Eh. Yeah. I mean, Tomac does say, I mean, we've heard people say that Tomac is glad he has more power on the Yamaha than he did on the Kawasaki. But overall, horsepower is not winning races in the 450 class. Right. Nope. Um, Another thing that's sort of looming over this race, 2014, uh, Nationals opener, Glenn Helen, is Glenn Helen was back on the schedule for the first time in uh, five years, right? 2009 was the last one. Um, the, The MX Sports... Glenn Helen butting heads. Uh, Glenn Helen deciding they wanted to hold a couple of USGPs that nobody went to. Uh, I went to both of them. Um, and then uh, cooler heads prevailed. The late Tom White uh, helped broker some understanding between MX Sports and Glenn Helen. And the series went back to Glenn Helen, which made most of the teams and riders happy. Uh, so that was back as an opener. Uh, of course, it's no longer on the schedule because, once again, MX Sports and Glen Helen can't see eye to eye. But at this time, there was a love in the air, and Glen Helen was back on the schedule, which is cool to see. It's a, it's a really challenging track. It was good to have it back. Glen Helen is so hard to describe. I feel like anyone who is not – if you just watch it on TV, it's awesome. Like, it's awesome. It, the hills are amazing. Uh, the dirt looks good. I, I, and I can't even tell if the dirt actually is good because I've heard every single description of that dirt on earth. Um, and it probably depends on what day you're there or how it's prepped. Um, but I don't think any fan has watched Glen Helen on TV and not said, dude, that track looks rad. That track looks right. awesome. Yep. It's big. It's crazy. It's gnarly. But if you talk to the people who go there and live there, then they like bash on Glen Helen. It's all over the map. Yeah. yeah right? I think I'd agree I've with that. i the yeah, greatest yeah, yeah. and the worst of right. any track, all for the same track. Right, right. No, you're right. Um, so Jeremy Martin goes 1-1. He leads every lap of both motos. He comes in national number 19. I think he got sixth overall in 2013, which was his first full season, right? Yeah. Um, if you look at his results at the end of 19, uh, there were nothing special at the beginning. And then they really did start – Coming on, he was a podium guy toward the end of the year. But again, that was on the old bike, which was woefully, woefully outdated at that point. Uh, I mean, he was getting seconds and thirds uh, toward the end of the year, the yeah. previous year, even though he's sixth in points. Um, so he goes on, like I said, wins the title this year. Uh, we'll talk to him here in a little bit. And he was dominant this day for his first win, and what a way to do it. Um, but Weege, coming into uh, – and we're going to get into it with Jeremy a little bit, but – Looking back at Jeremy Martin, look, he hasn't been able to win a title since the the second year, since 2015 when he repeated. 
and certainly there's been some stops and starts to his his career. He's still in the 250 class for one. He did get second at Daytona on a 450 at one point. Um, he's been injured a lot. He's older now. He's older than you think because he got a late start. But we I have to think that if his career stopped tomorrow, he surpassed what you amateur pundits thought he would do, correct? Yeah, I could never figure out what the problem was with Jeremy Martin at the amateur level because he would have these unbelievable motos at times, and he'd be really good. But it would just never work out. Like the amount of times I saw him, say, win motos at Loretta's and do great and be like, why is Jeremy Martin not thought of as like one of the elite guys? But he never ended up winning uh, a title there, and I'll ask him about it in our interview coming up. And then he, he was a Suzuki guy. Like, he had support. It wasn't like he was completely mm-hmm. disrespected by the industry. But I never feel like anyone was saying, like, all right, he's our next. I guess he would have been, say, after Izzy or Dunge or something like that. I, right. I do not feel like he was being held in that regard. And then eventually, Suzuki just folded all their amateur stuff. And as Jeremy tells it, he just had nothing for a while. And that's why he ended up with Star Racing, which at that time didn't really have a great rep. But they were the only game in town for him. So, yes, I, I, how much better could you sum it up? If he was an amateur hotshot, he wouldn't have been walking around searching for a ride. And he was at right, one point. Right. Um, also, didn't he not get second to RC when Ricky went back? To- uh, no. No? No, okay. this is actually interesting. Right. You're, you're close. Okay. So, yeah, Ricky went back, and uh, he was going to race 25-plus. And I think he tried to qualify for uh, some other, like, pro sport or something. And he got beat by Jeremy Martin. Oh, okay. So, and, yeah, uh, I got it. Okay. Point, I got it backwards. It like, all right, all right. Yes. He got beat at, I don't know if it's area or regional or whatever. And then at that point, uh, it was like a shock. Like, oh, wow. Carmichael has really lost it. Like, I'm surprised he's not. I think Jeremy Martin's not even that good. And he got beat by Jeremy Martin. And hilariously, if I remember this right, I'm glad you brought this up. Okay. Uh, Jeremy actually got hurt, didn't race Loretta's his last year. Now, he might have won, and then the whole story would sound different, but he didn't race Loretta's his last shot at it. He probably would have won, and then we'd be talking about him having titles. He did come in kind of injured for, like, the last two Nationals, I think, that year after Loretta's, after he missed. And I remember we had Carmichael in the TV booth with us, and I think he got eighth in a moto. And I remember RC saying during commercial, like, Damn, I wouldn't even be top 10 in the 250F class anymore. <laughs> this guy beat me, and he only got eighth. Right. Uh, and somewhere along the way, I remember joking with RC, like, hey, it's all come back around now. Now he's the fastest 250F guy there is. So getting beat by him actually looks okay three years later. Yeah, yeah, good point, right? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see, to, to hear that. I didn't understand that part of it. And, and honestly – when he debuted, I mean, I made a comment like, eh, remember? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I was like, I don't see it, man. I, I don't see this kid, you know, uh, really doing much. And obviously, I was way off. And, and, no, and it he, wasn't like, I yeah. mean, we see so many of these guys in their first pro race podium or almost podium or lead laps. Uh, it wasn't anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, whatever, he separated his shoulder or something before Loretta's. I don't know how prepped he was for those final ones. Yeah. But either way, you said, eh. And eventually, Jeremy Martin did hear that. He did, and yep, somewhere along the line. Um, thus, many ups and downs with, with you and Jeremy. Well, but no, because remember, I was trying to get out of it because he said Matthews. Oh, you're going to go there. Yeah, like yes, he, he, he asked you or asked someone, what's up with that Matthews guy? And I'm yes, like, he told me, what's up with that Matthews guy? I'm just trying my best out here. Yeah, and then I was Matthews, like, Whoo. And I'm like, oh, you're good. Bullet dodged. 
He's he's looking for Matthews. Look, he was riding and training at Carmichael's place. Carmichael was not a fan of yours at the time. Yeah, yeah. If I could only have heard the things they must have yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, good point, right? Um, so, yeah, great day for star racing here. And Cooper Webb goes 2-2, as you mentioned, too. Uh, and J-Mart takes his first win. Cole Seeley, 4-4 for third. Blake Baggett, 8-3 on the Pro Circuit bike. And Christoph Purcell is back with Factory Yamaha making mm. some sort of effort here. Uh, very bizarre deal for sure but it fits with Purcell for sure yes I'm glad you brought this up so um at this point Yamaha didn't have a factory team right it had star and it had JGR Mm -hmm. uh but we all know everybody knew that this was not the way Yamaha such as the the racing boss Keith McCarty that's not the way he wanted it they wanted to have their factory team the whole time that this because many times I'd interview Keith McCarty and say like hey Everybody says the future is private teams like NASCAR, and you guys are forward-thinking, and you guys are doing that. And then he would always be like, yeah, but that's not what we wanted to do. We just didn't have the money. Right, right. Like, <laughs> the factory Yamaha team, do you agree? Never, they, they never hid from the fact that they just wish they still had a team the whole time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and at times being accused by the teams they worked with for actively working against them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, JGR yep. and Yamaha never really no. saw eye to eye to eye for nope. sure. Like no, they, they helped not. each other. There, there was funding for sure, but it was never a perfect marriage. So I feel like when this Porcel deal, and man, to follow the bouncing ball of Porcel through these years. So <laughs> let's see. In 09, he almost went to title. In 10, he almost went to title. Then for whatever reason, he doesn't end up with a 450 ride, except for like two races with Moto Concepts in 2011. So he's just bouncing all over the place. And then some, and he goes back to Europe. And then suddenly, here we are in 2014, and he's back in the 250F class. He's going to race motocross. And I feel like Yamaha was always looking for their window, so they went for it. It was I think this was called Valley Motorsports. Yeah, something like the that. The Valley team had been around in different iterations, and it was like a pseudo-factory Yamaha effort. And I feel like in the ramp-up to this, again, it was like the factory Yamaha guys with Purcell, they were going to beat Star and thus show that mm-hmm. they were the superior team and that they should get more budget. Yeah, I believe, I believe yeah. the factory team had more work with Purcell than the other Valley guys, or, or it was Purcell, Valley truck, Yamaha guys under the Valley truck helping Purcell. Like Jimmy Perry and those guys were involved in this. Yeah, it felt like more of a yeah. factory Yamaha. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, honestly, with Purcell, we know how good he is, um, and, and this new bike and Yamaha factory support. You know, I really feel like that was high on the hype list coming in, uh, and, higher than Jeremy Martin and Cooper Webb. And guess what, Weege? On this day, Purcell qualified number one. Oh, yeah. Yes. Shocking. Oh, Shocking. yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a fun part of the summer. I mean, the results weren't – I think he won Unadilla, which he always wins. But otherwise, the results weren't as great as expected. But the freaking qualifying, it was so fun. We would literally on TV, we eventually got it figured out. Three and a half minutes to go every practice. You put the camera on him, and a heater lap would be, uh, would be beginning, and the heater lap would almost inevitably be number one. Right, right. Three um, and a half minutes. Yep, yeah, yeah, that was it. Um, and then he, well, he, he took this and went on to a Rockstar Husky ride. So, you know, he got a, a few years out of this coming back. Um, yeah. Just a world class jerk off, though, in my opinion. Oh. I just, Woo. I. Woo! I, I I did not see eye to eye with Kristoff. I, I didn't understand him. And I have so many stories of people who worked with him that are like, what is wrong with this guy? 
Wow. Well, I remember this one was tough. They uh, even finding a mechanic, right? Right. Yep. Yep. They cycled through several mechanics, even in the preseason, just getting ready. And uh, and then in the end, his mechanic is our buddy Scotty Atkins, who yeah. runs that Pro SX MX Tech, the mechanic school that like a ton of mechanics have and, come out of now in in Morgantown, West Virginia. He was. Uh, this is actually funny. So Atkins was Jeremy Martin's mechanic. He decides to retire after Supercross. That's right. Yes, and then yes, he was. That's I forgot. If he had just stayed on another month, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have been like, hey, wait, let's go to the end of the nationals so I can put a number one on the board. Yeah, and, and I don't know if you talked to Scotty, but uh, also not a fan of the way he was treated by Christophe Porcel. Right. So yes. he he retires. He's tired of the travel. He's like, I'm going to set up this mechanic school, which has actually worked out brilliantly mm-hmm. for him. And uh, so he's leaving Jeremy. He's leaving Star. And then Yamaha, I guess, begged him. And I think he said, like, you got to pay me more money. And I think they even did it. They begged him to come back to work for Purcell. Uh, so there was a lot of effort put in this Purcell program that summer. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, sixth overall yep. for him on the year. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, so that's the 250 class. You go to four. Well, what made it oh. surprising was this. Look, some years the 250 class is, like, wide open and you don't know what you're going to get. But in this class, we had uh, Purcell, who could have, should have, would have won the title many times. You had Blake Baggett who was phenomenal in this class for years. And Dean Wilson was back in the class, phenomenal in this class for years. And I remember us doing the preseason podcast and stuff, predicting this. We just figured it'd be uh, probably between Baggett and Wilson, and maybe this Purcell thing will work out. He can definitely run with them. It wasn't like uh, Webb and Jeremy were, hey, they're, all the past champs have moved up. Somebody's got to take it. Mm-hmm. There were established guys on established teams like Pro Circuit in this class, and they just took it to them. Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. Yeah. It was really, like you said, this top of the top of this. It was the beginning of an era, and, yeah. and, and partly due to the bike, mostly due to the riders, um, they really came into their own, and, and, the, yeah. and everybody's been chasing them ever since, especially outdoors. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, Pro Circuit with Wilson and Baggett, they were still the creme de la creme, yes. at least yep. we thought at that time. Now, what happened there? Dean... Uh, had a huge crash yes. in this one. Dean's bike was cutting out at some point, and then uh, he went down in a big crash down a hill and, and cut open his knee or something uh, and missed some time. Dean's stops and starts are a whole other podcast in the Lee at Re-Raceables. That's for sure. Dean's, uh, oh, yeah. you know, Jeff Ward racing, winning the championship, all of that stuff, defending his sure. championship for one moto, um, yep. all of that. Um, yep. Yeah, it was. It Baggett was, does yeah. eventually get it together yep. this season. I think it was uh, switching back and forth to the Air Fork, maybe, or something like that. Anyway, beginning of this season was not good for Baggett, but he started getting it together, and eventually he had his old speed back, and he had Mar- he beat Martin a few times. Uh, kind of typical Baggett, though, right? Like, he'd have an unbelievable weekend, then the other the next weekend would be, like, okay. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't enough to close the points up on Martin. Baggett did win some races, though. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um yep. All right, so it's 450 class from this day. Uh, Dunge goes 3-1. He gets the overall on the last lap with a few corners to go. Um, just a real nice pass on Ken Rocks and his teammate. Kenny goes 2-2 on the day. And Josh Grant wins the first moto. We'll get to that in a second. Let's put that aside. But in reading back through this race, uh, it looks like they were uh, – Trey Kennard was third in the second moto. And he was like a minute back um, in the first moto. Those top, they were like uh, 30 seconds ahead or something. So it really seems like outside of JG winning the first moto, and again, we'll get to that in a second, 
Dungeon Roxon had everybody covered, and that included Trey Kennard and James Stewart. Chad Reed was there, which I forgot all about. Uh, Andrew Short had a terrible day, but he was there on a factory Honda. Um, but, yeah, it was Dungy and Roxon's day on KTMs back then. Yeah, and again, this is the national opener, so you really don't know what you have coming in. I mean, looking back at it now, it's like, well, Dungeon Roxon being 1-2, that doesn't seem crazy at all. Uh, but it was Roxon's first year in the class. And you just named some other big names. Uh, also, James Stewart was in this group, right? So, I mean, you can't predict going into the opener that, oh, the KTM guys are just going to dominate. But they did. We'll get to the Josh Grant Moto win, as you said, in a moment. Uh, and honestly, Roxon looked faster than Dungey throughout. But kind of funny the way the second moto goes. Uh, the beginning of the moto, Roxon was super fast, mm. faster than Dunge. Oh, but at the end of the moto, Dunge was faster than Roxon. Oh, you, you don't say. That's yeah. <laughs> Their entire careers just summed up. <laughs> yeah, Roxon incredible at the beginning, Dunge incredible at the end. And, and this this is the year Roxon went on to win, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so he was rookie. I, I, Dunge, we had kind of looked at like he had never really had a good teammate almost at any time in his 450 career. Matt Moss was there yeah. in uh, 2010. Yep. Yep. Does anyone remember that? Right. No. Um, so, yeah, we were like, oh, how are they going to get along? But they did battle all year for the title, mm-hmm. and Kenny did edge him. But uh, and I, I think they got along pretty well. And they did, and Kenny was left. Kenny left KTM this year to go to RCH Suzuki, and that deal was done a long time ago. And I remember talking to Kenny near the end of the year. I'm like, dude, you winning the title. Why are you yeah. leaving? And he's just like, I don't like my bike. And I'm like, yeah, it looks terrible out there. just looks garbage. You're right, Kenny. And I'm just, he's just like, I don't like the team. I don't like the bike. I got to go. <laughs> And I'm just like, wow, like, are you sure about this? And then, of course, he's managed by Steve Astafan, and there's other riders that are familiar with Steve Astafan that are telling me that it, this is an agency-driven move because Kerry Hart, also managed by Steve Astafan, was starting a team with Ricky Carmichael. And I had people telling me, like, hey, man, Astafan is pushing this. He's putting this in Kenny's head because he wants his other client, Kerry Hart, to be successful in this team launch. And this is what they're doing. And, and I wrote that at the time and talked about it. And Astafan didn't like me. And and I'm just like, look, you're taking a guy who's an all-timer. And and when, you know, he's whatever year in America at this point for Ken Roxa. And he's leaving this championship winning team. I don't get it. You know, for, for a private team on a bike that hasn't really evolved. And, yeah, I took some heat for saying that. But I stand by that a little bit um, still years later. Like, I don't totally know where Kenny got this. I don't like this bike and I don't like this team thing. Yeah, it is a weird thing because, you know, there will be many, many Ken Roxon things to unpack at some point. Like, what is going on with him right now here in <laughs> April of 2022? Yeah. Uh, but one chapter that is yet to be written is what did happen. You know, I don't think he's going to talk about all this until he's probably retired. But what did happen between he and... He obviously had Suzuki roots. He had ridden Suzuki, mm-hmm. you know, in his early days in Europe. So I get maybe some of the overall familiarity but look ktm was absolutely on the rise at this point and as it would turn out they had this phenomenally better bike coming for the next year which we did hear them say they once kenny decided he was leaving they didn't let him ride it yep because they didn't want him to know you know anything that they were working on um but the next year bike we had one of these re-raceables with dunge the 2015 bike was massively improved yeah and kenny and it was surprising it It was surprising to hear dunge be that honest about this bike here not really being comparable to that new bike. The new bike being so much better, right? 
So yes, so uh, they had that in the know. pipeline, and obviously they told Kenny that, and he chose to leave. Yeah, uh, it made him look real bad the next year because he struggled big time with RCH in 2015, and Dunge was killing it on the new KTM. But they did get a matter of revenge. Yep. You know, in 2016, Kenny was unbelievable on the Suzuki. So he almost won. You know, 20, it's hard to say who won in that one. Yeah, 21 out of 24 motors or something the year that Kenny won the yeah. title on RCH. Yeah. But I just remember the conversation with Roxanne. I'm like, why are you leaving? And he's like, I don't like my body. Dude, I've heard everything. I've... So you've heard the Astafin agent angle. I remember talking to Roger DeCoster back at this point, and he was saying, you know, some of it might have been like Roxanne's dad and, and management in Europe, like stuff from way, way back. Maybe that fell apart. Uh, there's so many different stories. But it's still so odd because if you look at like Muscan's been with KTM the whole time. Hurling's been with KTM the whole time. Dunn's retired. He did have this weird deal where he bought into Geico Honda, so he was not a KTM guy for a brief time, but now he's kind of back with KTM. Like, there's the general thing is when you're a KTM guy, you're a KTM guy, except for Roxon, who's like the biggest star they've had. So yep. it's so weird that this happened. Yeah, no, it's uh, definitely out there for sure. Uh, Dunge 3 1, Kenny 2 2. Josh Grant, uh, JGR Yamaha, uh, always good at Glen Ellen. He grew up there, he's a SoCal guy. Uh, wins the first moto, crashes in the second, looks like he hurts his knee, goes back out, gets 15th. So he goes 115 on the day. Josh Grant's first moto win, I would put up there with um, J-Law's first moto win at Glen Helen. Um, just those weirdo wins. Justin Brayton's Steel City win. Sorry, Weege. Um That was a good one. Uh, but just, just those moto wins that came out of nowhere. JG's a great rider, but nowhere near uh, the level to win a national, except when it's Glen Helen. And he gets a start, and he's feeling it. Yeah, yeah. You knew that he was probably just, you know, going on adrenaline. Like, he gets a start. It's his track. It's the opener. So there's just so much hype and electricity in the air, and he's probably running off of that. And uh, Roxon almost gets him in the end, but he holds on. Um, I <laughs> I just had the feeling when he won that first moto, I'm like, he's going down early in moto two. Like, it's just the way the moto gods do it. Um, I, I had a feeling that would happen. That's exactly what did happen. But uh, that first moto had to be awesome uh, for the crowd. And yeah. he was celebrating like he had won the title. Well, and that's where I come in right now. Um, oh, here we go. I, I read my old observations column from the race. And, yeah, I didn't like that. And I still don't like that. Like, he, he comes across the line. He throws his bike down. His arms, like, it's like. Like, you, you just want a moto. Like, there's another moto coming up, and it's not – it's coming up, by the way. And I always thought to myself, why why are you celebrating like this? Why are you throwing your bike down, which could cause your problems for your mechanic, you know, more problems if he has to, for all the stuff he has to do? Like, I just was like, ugh, I don't get it. I never got the celebration at the time. Act like you've been there before is something I always love to hear from Barry Sanders and, and these other guys. Um, you got another race coming up. And I get it. I mean, Tim Ferry won a moto. It was pretty cool. You know, Kelly Smith won a moto. It was pretty cool. So I've been there as a mechanic. But uh, the throwing the bike down and what he was doing, I, I, I didn't agree with it. My observations column, we each from the day, and I just still don't agree with it. So, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of it was the – it was almost expected that he wouldn't win a moto. So when he wins a moto, it's just a huge freaking deal. And, yes, it's true. There's 23 more motors to go in the series, and there's another motor to win the overall that day. But I think it was like an understanding of like, hey, man, this is a big accomplishment. I can't count on it happening again. I can't count on it happening in the next moto, let alone. So uh, I better just live. Yeah. I better be happy living the now. I better be happy living the now. 
in this moment. I, um, I yep. guess. Okay, that's yep. fine. Uh, I know his dad, Mike, who I uh, had a sort of relationship with, found me later on and wasn't happy the next week or the week after, a couple weeks after, whatever that I wrote that. And I, I was just like, Mike, like I'm a mechanic, man. I, I come from a mechanic background. He throws his bike down. He breaks a clutch cover. He breaks a, a motor, wh- whatever. Like, you know, you, you, you barely have enough time as it is to get these bikes ready for the second moto. Like, anyways. Um, what is Josh Grant's legacy, to put it? I guess legacy is a bit of a strong word. Never won a championship. Won races. What, 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 you know, showed incredible speed. What, what is Josh Grant's? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, I think speed and cool are the words that come to mind if you're doing a uh, word association, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody respected the, the skills, the speed, the badassness of Josh Grant. And it is a weird thing in this sport, right? Where there's like this melding for almost everybody, unless you're just super good. If you're Ryan Villapoto and you win that much, that's all you need to do. Everybody <laughs> right, else, right. <laughs> right? Everybody else has like a mix of like their results, speed, riding ability, kind of mixed in with what their persona is. And Josh Grant was always cool. It's always cool. So it is weird that I think some guys with his level of ability, if they, I mean, he did win some races, he did do well. But I think other guys with his level of ability or talent, the rep would be like, Hey man, he should have done more. He could have done more. He could have won more if he tried harder or trained harder or whatever. But I feel like people don't say that about Josh Grant because he's cool and they don't want to be the nerds who don't think the cool guy's cool. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, it makes some sense. I don't totally yeah. agree with it, but yeah, it makes some sense. Yeah. Um There's not a lot of bashing on Grant. It's more like we respect the the amazing races he did have. And some of them he was able to be faster or as fast as the fastest dudes. And I'd rather, like, focus on that than the, well, why doesn't he do that more often, which is what a lot of riders in his situation would get. But he never really got that heat, I don't feel. And I, well, I feel like I did. Well, Uh, yes, you did, and you were hated for it. I was. And I also feel like part of it was he was a SoCal kid, and all the media is from SoCal, and they liked him. They knew him. They hung out with him. That could be it. You know, they knew him since he was a kid, and I, I didn't know this. I didn't know him. Until he hit, you know, the amateurs, or until he hit like the, the first year of a, uh, the last year of his amateur career. You know, then I'm like, oh, and then he debuted at Glen Helen on a on a Geico Honda, and you're like, oh shit, you know. Um, but yeah, I always thought there was more there. I thought there was more there. I thought at times in the 250 class, he rode like a bit of a dick, and because he was obviously had a lot of skills than a lot of guys, and made sure that he, you know, told the lappers that, and made sure he didn't seem to be able. He was in this era of Hanny Grant. Uh, a couple other guys that couldn't seem to make clean passes. They had to s- stuff you and look at you and pull away. You know what I mean? That era. I never yeah, liked. I yeah, li- there's a bit of it. Yeah, I never liked any of that. Um, like, look, kid, you're super talented. Just, you know, focus on the race and, and everything else. But uh, certainly, yes, a ton of talent and a, and a nice career. He made a living as a professional motocross racer for, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 years, whatever it was, you know. Um, so certainly there is that for Josh Grant. And yeah, uh, in any other sport, if you're, uh, if you're that good, like you have that ability to be the best guy on certain nights, uh, in a basketball game or a pitcher or or whatever it would be, um, you're going to make bazillions of dollars and you're still going to be a legend. Our sport is a little bit more like pinpoint at the top where it's like, well, you didn't win a title. So that hurts his rep, but like 
dude, the guy could ride a motorcycle. Awesome. And I guess that's what it is. Yep. They, they say in advertising that sex sells, but in this sport, it's like speed sells. If you're that badass fast, I feel like it's really easy for people to get in your bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. really hard for them to jump off. Yeah, I would agree. Yep. Uh, James Stewart, 6'6 six, six on the day. James uh, would start slow. He would win high point. Um, and then it all kind of came crashing down after that. And then mm. it, it ended at Millville with um, controversy. And we didn't see him or, again. Uh, um, so. Was Millville his last one? Millville was the last yes. one, yeah. yeah. Oh, that year, yeah. He yeah. always references Washougal. That's the comeback year. Yeah, the, the, 16, Washougal yeah, was his yeah. last. Right, right. Millville was his last one. This year he had the specter of the suspension hanging over him uh, and yeah. all of that going on after his high point win. And, um, yeah, so James Stewart, 6'6", but he did get better. Um, Chad Reed, 9'10". I don't even – Chad was on a Cowie. I did, is this the year he pulled out, halfway through the year? I think so, 2014. Wow, yeah. a lot was going on this year. Yeah, yeah, right, you know. Um, I'm going to look this up right now. I believe High Point might have been the last uh, national? national for Chad with his team, yep. which is amazing. I don't think we've ever put this together. That is – High Point is where James goes 1-1, but also all weekend everybody's talking about, hey, I heard a guy yep. failed a drug test and is going to get in trouble. I wonder who it is. And then like two days later we found out, oh, it's Stu who just won. Yeah, yeah. And, and he wasn't really the same after that, and Chad was done like that. Or Chad's team was done. Wow, that's crazy! It all happened in one race and uh, one season. And, and by the way, wasn't James' results supposed to be stricken from the record? Uh, they're still here. Uh, how does that work? I don't know. Uh, yeah, good point. They did say that yep. he was provisionally suspended, and all the results between what Seattle, Seattle? Supercross yep. that year, Seattle, they're supposed to be gone. But here they are. Yep. <laughs> Still in the record book. I don't think book. anyone really listened to that at all. No, I don't think I, I think the no. power, I think the powers that be like, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. He's still yeah, won. We're, we're not going back and yeah. taking his purse money away and all this stuff. Right, right. He still won. So uh um yep. anyways, and Malcolm Stewart right behind him goes eight eight. Six six for James, eight eight for Malcolm. That's kind of funny. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely neat. Uh Barsha has a tough day on Honda. Andrew Short has a tough day at Honda. Andrew Short and Glenn Helen never mixed. He uh, bro- uh, oh no, Andrew Short was on KTM then. He was on a uh, KTM. He wasn't on Honda. Um, Andrew Short broke a chain. My bad. I just want to say no. Chad did. <laughs> Chad wrote it out. Oh, he did. Chad's okay. results. Thirteenth the next week in uh, Tennessee. Seventh at Redbud. Thirty sixth at Bud's Creek. Fifteenth at Spring Creek. Fifteenth at Washougal. Riding it out. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. So there was the next year then. I guess that he stopped. At yeah. That point. It was yeah. next year. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that's the 450 class from this day. Um, we're really going to focus more on the 250 class because of the sort of game changing era that began at Glen Helen 2014. Lee at Reraceables, for more information. They make a, a lot of great stuff. They, the, their boot that they came out with, the Flex Lock boot. Kiefer had some hand in developing that thing, so please check that out. Helmets as well, goggles, of course, their neck braces. Lee Use uh, the email contact form on pulpamex.com. To send us an email, and we will uh, send you a code to save at Liat. Thanks to the folks at ProTape or the ACF Bar. Have you heard about this, Weech? Uh, speaking of J-Mart, he actually was debuted this thing uh, in Supercross when he raced the first round of 250 Supercross this year. It is the first carbon fiber reinforced aluminum handlebar for motocross. It's got the carbon core system that uses lightweight and exceptionally strong unidirectional carbon fiber cores to reinforce the aluminum tubing. It's got more room on the handlebars for all the switches and dials that these bikes have nowadays. It's the lightest one and one eighth motocross bar on the market. ProTaper.com, Rockstar Husky as well. Star Racing, speaking of star, still using ProTaper. ProTaper.com for more information on that. Maxis Tires, thank you to Maxis, uh, uh, the SGB Maxis team. Cade, 
Cade's absolutely crushing it on his Maxxis uh, tire Honda CRF out there in Supercross. A-Ray, of course, uh, also using Maxxis tires developed by Jeremy McGrath. Um, and uh, light truck tires, bicycle tires, and, of course, dirt bike tires. You haven't thought of Maxxis for a while. Please check it out, Maxxis.com. Also, thanks to Guts for coming on board, Scott uh, as well, uh, and, of course, the folks at Liat. So, Weege, do you want to talk to Jeremy Martin? Shall we do that now, or is there anything else from this race that comes to mind? Nope. Let's talk to Jeremy. All right. Let's get to uh, the winner this day, leading both every lap of both motos for his first national win, Jeremy Martin. And now let's bring in the man that we were talking about on the uh, Lee at Re-Raceables. When you talk about this race, you talk about this guy because it started everything for him. 2014 Glenn Helen, 250 motocross winner, Jeremy Martin. What's up, J-Mart? How are you, man? <laughs> it's good to be on the show, guys. What do you know? Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is quite a day for you. It is it is your second full season. It is uh, your first one one, your first national win. Um, what what a day for you at Glen Helen. Uh, and 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 obviously, you being Minnesota guy, like it's not like you're a Glen Helen specialist or anything. You know, it, you wouldn't have been my pick going into this one. Yeah, honestly, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't think I was going to be the guy either. <laughs> I mean, I I reflect back to that time, guys. Like. I was really kind of on suicide watch because I, I failed to qualify for some of the Supercross rounds, and I was a big bust in that. And uh, I was in Tallahassee, Florida, training with the Carmichael's, and I got the call from Star that you know I had to go out to California and I had to change everything that I did um, to be out there. And uh, I really started to um, I was just all in trying to get better every day and. I started testing quite a bit, and I knew right away that bike was fast. Like I was like, "Wow, this thing's a game changer compared to the 2013 bike." And then I started working with uh, John. Uh, we call him Elvis at KYB, <laughs> and the guy got me comfortable. Like I haven't been that comfortable in years, you know. And uh, it just—I remember being on the line. I was like, "Dude, I don't know if I could beat Blake Baggett and Wilson and all these guys," you know, right? But uh, when the gate dropped, man, I, I definitely surprised myself. Uh, what, what's interesting, so it kicks off a run for you. You go on to win the next two titles, and you've been you know, a, a great rider. Really, we're going eight seasons now where we know Jeremy Martin can win races. But also, for that bike and for that team, I mean, I guess you were building up to it a little bit. I think you were good at the last Supercross of the year, at the end of that year. You do pretty good at the end of the Nationals the previous year. But did you have any indication coming into this race that, like, Hey, by tomorrow, uh, Star Racing and the YZ250F and myself, we're about to all take over the sport. Did you think that was coming? Yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> not. You know, I mean, I remember, like, when I signed with the team in 2013, they're like, hey, for 2014, we have an all-new bike, engines backward, this and that. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I should, should I sign with these guys? Like, should I do it? And I took the gamble, and I guess, if guys, look at it. It turned out to be awesome, but... Uh, it was an, a bit of an unknown, for sure. Uh, yeah, well, we we were joking here before the call. Like, you liked it so much, you eventually had to go back because you're back on the team now. That's how good it was. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> it's definitely a, a really good motorcycle, and uh, I, I missed. When you when you win that much and you're that dominant, and then you, all of a sudden you lose that, you just want to go back to what you had, and that's essentially what I what I did. <laughs> yeah, your your teammate Cooper Webb goes 2-2. You know, again, another not another – a guy that's – Another guy that's not a Glenn Helen specialist or anything. So, so Jmart, how much like you, you? And we mentioned the motorcycle before we called you. Um, how much was it due to the motorcycle? And how much was it due to you? Like, 
I, you know, you just finished saying how good the bike was, but like for real, how much do you? How much good? How good was it? And how much do you think it was just you putting things together? Uh, I think it was a combination of both. Like I think about how good that bike was. Like now they're still at an advantage, right? Mm-hmm. From a motor and uh, uh, I think potentially a chassis perspective with the right guys. Um, and I think that like, think about that back in 2014, like what that advantage probably was back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus yeah. like, we know the advantage now, right? Like, right. All the other bikes have gotten better. So to me, it's kind of, when I look back on it after, um, with injuries and not being as successful, I'm pretty humbled. And I'm like, I acknowledge that the bike probably had a bigger gap back then. Um, and I was just blessed to be on that thing, you know, and I, I, I'm a good. I'm really good outdoors as well. You guys know that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You were sixth overall in 2013. Um, you know, so I mean, so you showed progress, and that's good, and everything else. But yeah, I just, I wouldn't have had you coming out going one one at the opener. I remember up the hills, it looked fast. I remember you yarding guys up hills in practice or qualify qualifying practice or whatever it was i remember you just going or maybe it was press day i don't know but i remember you gaining on guys up the big hill all all day long yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of like a weapon on that thing i mean right now i'm about 140 pounds and that's what i was back then and then you put me on the fastest bike with the most torque on the bottom end i mean it's a yep. deadly combination <laughs> so go ahead weege well, I was going to say, it is only your second full year. And if I remember right, the end of 13, uh, what was a pretty outdated bike, I think a carbureted bike and everything, mm-hmm. you were starting to put results together uh, at the end of the Nationals the year before. Um, you were sixth in points, but I feel like the end of the year was really good. So were you at least feeling a little bit from that perspective? Yeah, like I knew that going into the season, I'm like, okay, like, you know, you were on this carburetor bike and... You weren't Eli Tomac level, but at the end of the year, you know, you were fighting to be a consistent podium guy on the on the on the right day, especially at the end there. And uh, I knew that coming in, I'd be good. But you just you never know. Like you can have the best prep and everything like that, and then yeah. when the gate drops, you know, uh, it's a different animal. And I, I prevailed those, especially that that weekend. I remember like getting in my van at the end of the day with my old trainer and we just looked at each other and we're like, holy shit, this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, one, I was going to ask you, so this was pre-O-Sho. This wasn't an O-Sho season. Yeah, no, yep. this was solely by myself with um, Dylan Turner. He's okay, always, yep. He helped me a ton and I still talk to him almost every day. Um, it's almost like we're just like, he's like almost like a life coach, you know, somebody that you can fight in and stuff like that. And it was just him and I and, our backs were against the wall because we didn't perform in Supercross. And, um, man, we were all in to try to make this outdoor thing work. Um, you not only won, uh, Glenn Helen won one, but then you did it again at Hangtown. And, gosh, I remember at Hangtown, it was like watching fast forward. Like, dude, lap one, you're already just checking out. Uh, what is that feeling like when if the sport is so hard, any top sport is so hard? What is that feeling like when you're like, hey, this is just – it's almost coming easy. Like I'm just doing my thing and I'm just pulling away again. Like what was that feeling like those couple of weeks there? Yeah, it was, it was truly, it's, it's one of the best feelings for anybody in any sport, right? Like if you can, you can get clean air and then you can pull away and you're not, and then at 15 minutes, you just ride it into the finish and you're still pulling people. Like that's, <laughs> that's pretty gnarly. Like, um, I mean, I've had that a couple times throughout my career since then, but, um, I didn't, fully appreciate it i think as much as i would now you know 
Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, you will struggle to get there, right? Like you've been. Yeah. I know this is this is the feeling. I'm sure that you've been searching for the whole time. This is what you want to be doing every week, right? Oh, absolutely. And you think about like, well, what I do back then, and you mm -hmm. just try to replicate it. But everybody gets better every year, both mentally, physically, and equipment wise. So sometimes you can't really look look that far back anymore. You got to move forward, you know. <laughs> well, Weege, when he came out of Loretta's, you know, not everyone was super hyped on him on J Mart when he came out of Loretta's. Well, I feel you got screwed on Loretta's a little bit, though, because you didn't race Loretta's the last year you were supposed to race it, right? Yeah, well, also, too, guys, I was going up against Zach Bell, and um, at the amateur level at that point, like, dude, the guy had really good speed, and he just would dominate me in them short races. So he led the first moto of this race. Yeah. Or second moto. Wait. Second moto. Zach Bell got the whole shot and led a little bit. Yeah. 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 Wow. Oh, so this is funny. I did not realize that. So in your amateur days, you're like, man, if I could just catch Zach Bell. That was yeah, your he, he was the guy back then. Because remember how Geico established that amateur program? Oh, yeah, they were killing like, yep. If you were the guy on Geico, you were the man, you know? Um, uh, but didn't you miss Loretta's? Uh, didn't you hurt your shoulder and miss your last Loretta's? Yeah, I dislocated that. Uh, actually, my shoulder I got now that I'm dealing with, that, that left one the first time back in 12. And... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's why I miss Loretta's. Well, what I'm getting at there is the story might be a little different. Okay, you had many other years that you were there and you didn't get a title. But if you went, let's say you won two titles the last year at Loretta's, that story would look a little different. Like you missed your last shot. So to me, that, I don't know, skews the numbers. Or do you think you would have just sucked there? Maybe you just would have sucked. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would have liked to, have, I mean, I put a lot of effort in to try to win that thing. Yeah. So I would have liked to have thought I would have won, but. Um, right. I never got it done, guys. I was always like a, a moto winner, but never an overall winner there. Well, that's where I remember you at Loretta's. Okay. You would like, I don't know what would go on at the beginning of the week. And then like midweek, you would all of a sudden, and then you had the one time where you won like two motos within like an hour, which I'd never seen anyone do. And I'm like, why is it? The guy never puts the, all six together. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I was like, man, maybe I'm not destined for this championship role stuff. And then my second year, I go out and win and then win the next year and it's like well whatever yeah. screw Loretta's <laughs> yeah, dude. yeah that's where that's where I, that's where I was getting at like Weege would know better than I would because I don't follow the amateur stuff as closely like uh J-Mart J is when you look at 125 250 motocross or even combined wins J-Mart is an all-timer he's top five I think uh in national wins lamps in you know lamps and stew RC J-Mart's right there and I don't think this was sort of projected, Weege, coming out of Loretta's. Like, I don't, I don't know. You would know more. J-Mart was solid. He was good. He was on a star bike, you know, before that was Suzuki. But I don't think people thought, oh, yeah, J-Mart's going to win two national championships and become, you know, a top five all-time small bike guy. Maybe not that, but I do feel that your riding was better than the results would show okay. at the All end right. of the year every year at the amateur races. Do you agree with that? Like, you would ride well, you'd win motos, but for whatever reason, the overall result wasn't good. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I just wouldn't. I would buckle, like, uh, the beginning of the week of just trying to learn how to manage, like, coming out. Like, look at me in the beginning of the Supercross series, right? You put all this hype and all this build into it, and then I always start slow or something would happen. So I think I was always battling a demon from that perspective, you know, at Loretta's. Yep. Yep. So you mentioned uh, this. You mentioned this yep. race for you. You were at the goat farm. Supercross wasn't going well, and the star guy said, "Hey, you got to get your ass to California." So now I'm guessing you did ride Glen Helen a little bit coming into this thing because you had to be in Cali uh, with everybody else. So that probably helped you a little bit coming into this one because you did have a California base for uh, whatever that was a few months. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, I remember just doing all my all my outdoor prep pretty much out there and testing out there at Glen Helen and then uh, Cahia Creek. I mean, it snowed. It was snowing one day when I was testing out there. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I would I would stay till till probably five o'clock, you know, at Glen Helen in the afternoon testing, and the sun would come down and just I just remember that man. I just I remember feeling so comfortable on that bike and being able to do whatever I could hit any bump. I would just bulldog it, and I knew I'd be all right. Did uh, things start to change as far as? Uh... You win, I think, the first five motors of the year. Uh, Baggett and Wilson are kind of the favorites coming because they've won it before. And then Baggett does start putting it together. Uh, did things change as far as like, oh, wait, now i got to do with championship pressure and a points lead and all this stuff that you maybe hadn't even been thinking about? Uh, did that start to weigh on you a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, if you see, like, I struggled pretty bad at Muddy Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a bit more of a hard, hard-based track. And I remember I made the transition from California um to back to florida and i remember just being like nervous because you didn't want to stop what you were doing because mm-hmm. i was so successful right and then i went back there and um a couple different people kind of got in my head on how to approach like what you should do from a standpoint of of you know trying to beat a guy in a championship and instead of focusing on myself i focused on baggage and and protecting what i had and uh I had to, I learned pretty quick after a shitty performance at Muddy Creek, I needed to just go back to the way I was before, you know? Um, and then <laughs> your teammates in there too. And okay, you're competitive. We know Cooper Webb's super competitive. It seemed like that was turning a little salty uh, also with you guys battling each other for wins and points. Yeah. He, I mean, Coop's, Coop's a, he's a, he's a dog, you know, he's, he's a fighter for sure. I remember just like some gnarly moments, you know, like I won at uh, Thunder Valley. I, I passed him in one of the moto, the first moto or something like that. And then, uh, took his helmet off in the truck and just threw it, you know? So I remember there's some, there were some moments for sure, but he just wanted to win just like I did, you know? And yeah, you know, star kind of likes that, likes that environment where they pin, pin the riders up against each other. And, and then it elevates them to, to get the best that they can out of each other. Is there anything, I don't even know, like this particular day, at uh, Glen Helen, you remember how the motos actually unfolded? Yeah. It was the same old thing. You just got the lead pretty early from Zach Bell. No, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I just looked because I watched this race earlier. Yeah. You led every single lap of both motos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. I didn't realize it was that dominant. You led every single every day. single lap. <laughs> it was a good day, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. You said you're in your van. Surprised? Were you even surprised during the races? Like, where is everybody? Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, put your head down and at some point you just keep, you just keep riding and riding, you know, and that's kind of what I did. Just tried to, uh, Pedro, my mechanic was obviously boarding me my lap time and I just tried to race the lap time and then, um, he would give me the gap. And then at that point, like, you know, you start getting a lead like that. I was like, I think back to like my, when I'd be an amateur at a local race and I'd like try to beat second by so much, you know, like, okay, I beat second yeah. by 10 seconds in moto one. So moto two, let's see if we can make it 14 seconds. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that became the, the next like thing for me. Uh, actually, and you qualified third fastest, uh, you'll sh- shocking Porcel was fastest qualifier. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What uh, hey, that's, I'm glad you brought up the Purcell thing, Steve. That's right. So this new Yamaha comes out, and um, there's a star team which is already established. 
And then Yamaha kind of throws this side Porcel thing together. And obviously the guy, Porcel, was, should have won this title before. He's obviously great talent. Uh, was there a, like a Yamaha rivalry between them? Were you like, we got to beat these guys and show them? I, I, I think that was going on. I don't know if you knew about that. I necessarily probably didn't think about that. I mean, I yeah. was trying to focus on my thing. And then obviously right. like the key, you could just feel the tension between Webb and I in the truck. So, um, the fact that Purcell was also on the same bike, you know, and doing his deal, like, I guess it didn't hit my radar because like, it was just so gnarly in my truck. And then he was at a different truck and I didn't have to like see him or think about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Uh, amazing though. Glenn Helen, did you ever, okay. You had ridden air testing running up to it, but in general, uh, is it a track you like? Uh, Yes and no. Okay. Like, uh, coming down, like, Mount, is it Mount St. Helen or whatever? I mean, that's pretty gnarly, guys. That's pretty. <laughs> it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> it's, it's pretty damn high speed. And, and then, then the way they, it almost felt like, uh, Glen Helen to me feels like, uh, MX versus ATV, like on, uh, on <laughs> PlayStation. Like, I remember how big they always had some massive jump and then something, you know what I mean? Like, super high speed. So, to me, it was like it was always elevated there, but um, for some reason, I seemed to thrive in that. Uh, by the way, Big Al, 40-10 on the day on the Rock River team. So we obviously had some problems in the first moto. 10th uh, yes. in moto two. You probably lapped them. Uh, and also, uh, Phil Nicoletti, 11-11 in the 450 class. So, yeah, just uh, just an update on, on that day in Glen Helen. There was the yeah, it was crazy. I remember crossing the finish line or whatever, and then seeing Phil and like he kind of looked at me like, "Holy shit, did he just do what he did?" And then I looked at him and I was like, "I can't believe I fucking did it." We gave each other a hug. <laughs> oh, did you really? Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, that's the uh, well. So maybe for a brief glimmer, Phil was happy for a brief little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, look, okay, I know you weren't expecting yourself to be one wanting it and winning all these races, but you probably also didn't expect that within a few years, you and your brother would be battling for wins. Like, only the two of you. Like, the race win will be decided between me and Big Al. That's that's yeah. amazing as well that it turned out that way. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, just think about, you know, how he was able to come on that strong later in his career. And I, I think I truly attested to, like, uh, probably me being there. Um, mm-hmm. whether he admits it or not, like I remember growing up before I was pro, I was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to come in. I'm going to try to win. You know, he's like, dude, it's, it's way harder than you think. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I get that. But like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to try to win. Yeah. And, um, I think when I, he sees his degenerate brother do it, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it helps. Well, he also, he remembers when you were a kid and you were twice that size and you were just eating all the time. And he's like, I can't believe this guy's beating me. It's probably a big part of it, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, though? I, I, here's the thing, and I've talked to Al about this. I think people assume, since your parents are on a track and your dad used to race uh, in his own right, that you had like the gnarliest, like at five years old, your dad was out there like making you guys do motos. But at least your brother has told me, he's like, no, our parents didn't even want us to race. We actually kind of got a late start to taking this seriously. Yeah, we definitely did for sure. It was a late start. Like he obviously he was pretty beat up from his career and stuff like that. And I, I just don't think he really wanted us to see us uh, struggle from the injury perspective like him. So it was never like, I mean, they didn't even want to. I was so like consumed with candy and stuff like that. Like 
<laughs> they didn't even want to put me like they didn't even want to take me out of school, but they homeschooled me for the sake that they just felt bad that Alex was getting taken out, you know. Mm-hmm. So they took me out as well, and then um, they didn't think nothing that I would ever make it. But then I just kept getting better and better, and then um, I just kind of became obsessed with it, you know. And we we just started to just do better. Well, that's what I'm getting at. If you guys have been all in. We hear this all the time. If you guys were all in at age five and they're like, Jeremy, we have a track in our backyard, ride it. You probably wouldn't have been this good at age, you know, 22 if you had been that all in when you were five. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, we're taking six months off during the winter. um, And then we go down south, like for spring break or whatever and ride in Oklahoma and do that deal. But then, you know, I think it was good for us. It definitely helped uh, establish a, a good work ethic. A lot of guys start young and get burnt out, you know? Right. Right. That's what I'm getting at. Because it's funny to think of you as the guy obsessed with candy, because at this point, by 2014, we thought of you as like the gnarliest of the gnarly when it comes to training and fitness and all that. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, <laughs> the uh, Was it the next year that you got Osho in your second title year? Yep. So I yeah. got Osho midway through the Supercross season. Of, um, of 15. In 2015. Yep. And then, um, man, we did, we, oh, man, we just did some stupid training. Yeah, you know? well, that's where I was going. So Phil and, and Troll have both told us, like, I mean, Johnny is just, I mean, he's old and he's amazing. And then they were like, yeah, Germa can keep up to him. We cannot. We are way back. Uh, Phil was, you know, Phil was not paying for the training program, but he was getting to hitch for free. And yeah. I, think, I think, I don't think Troll was paying either. But anyways, Johnny, Johnny would let those two come on, and you guys would drop them, and they were amazed that you, Germa, could keep up with Osho. Yeah, yeah, it, it surprised me quite a bit too. Like obviously, he, he guys, he murdered me at first. Like it was like, yeah, yeah. I showed up on this, <laughs> I showed up on this hardtail. I had a Trek hardtail that was like probably five hundred bucks, and. <laughs> The rear brake, the rear disc brake was like bent on it. I didn't know it because it was like on the semi truck and we go out to California and he's like, all right, dude, I'm going to test you. You know, when we did, we did a warm up in like two forties at the track that day. Then we go out for a bike ride. And I just remember like, guys, like I cried. (laughs) (laughs) It was just this all out suffer fast. Yeah. 3000 feet in a day. Like I had no idea what that bleep I was like getting myself into. Wow. This is hilarious because you're already the 250 National Motocross Champion at this point. You're in good enough shape to do that at this point. Well, that yeah, I mean, that's just it. So, like, from a, a high-end aerobic perspective, he really opened my mind to um, how much how much more fit you could get. Like, I always did, like, base, base training. Like, I do three weeks on, and I do, like, an hour and a half bike ride, and then the next week would be two hours and then the next week would be two and a half and then I would cut it down or whatever. But with Johnny, it was like, I got so strong there for a little bit that it was just, um, it became, I would walk back after a podium. Like I would just walk back from the truck. I didn't want to ride with Bobby on the thing. And then I'd pound a Gatorade and say, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's where I was going. Like as good as you were in this 14 year and you ripped off those five moto wins, your title defense was maybe better. You know, you were an animal. Uh, um, so yeah, it was, it was a nice couple of years where, where it was like, dude, J-Mart is gnarly. And then, you know, late in the race, he's going to get you or he's going to pull away. Uh, you know, I can remember plenty of those races, uh, where late in the moto, you would, that's when you would make your, your, your stuff happen, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And then, yeah, the Phil and Alex thing were just telling me about these mountain bike rides, and I was just laughing because they're like, he's fucking gone, dude. He's in the hills, and I'm an hour back. <laughs> you know? Yeah, then- <laughs> it was it was crazy. You know, you're out in the middle of nowhere up there, and you just think of, like, the mountain lions or just whatever, you know? And, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, good, one, I, good times. One of the rides they said uh, you guys did a whole loop and then were on the way back and they were still going up the first loop or something. I, I don't know. And they said, yeah, these guys were done already. We had to turn around and go back to, with them. We didn't even get done. <laughs> Dude, I, I had some funny stories. Like one time we went west and Pike wanted to go with us, you know, mm-hmm. and we did this trail and Johnny's like, oh, yeah, I used to do this back in the day. I mean, this thing was just, it was just mental guys. Like you couldn't even, it was a, I literally had my mountain bike on my shoulder and we hiked up it. That's how steep it was and just not rideable. But Johnny wouldn't give, give up. And we got to the top of the climb, you know, and Weston, Weston's like, Weston's down there on the climb. And I just remember him screaming like bloody murder and saying, you guys are fucked up. I'll never fucking go with you again. That was it. Pike was one and done. That was yeah, it. Yeah, dude. He was like, you guys are sick individuals. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, wow. Yeah, what a what a, what a a run for uh, Jeremy Martin. Uh, Lee at Re-Raceables. Thank you to uh, Scott, Maxis, and ProTaper also all on board with us. J-Mart using ProTaper products, of course. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, nice kickoff for you, J-Mart. And, and I, and I got to say, Weege, too. Like, again, like, I remember that day. and it was pretty impressive and pretty unexpected that Jeremy Martin goes one, one leads every lap, you know? Yeah. And I felt the same. And then I really think what, what solidified it was, you know, we have seen weirdo opening rounds here and there. And then sometimes guys just have Glenn Helen dialed. But I just remember actually when I was setting this up, I kept thinking it was Hangtown because the one that really sticks out to me was that the next weekend, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a Glenn Helen thing. It wasn't a round one thing. You did the exact same thing. And that's when I was like, Oh boy, this is for real now. This isn't weirdo round one. You did the exact same thing the next week, and that's what solidified it for me. Yeah, I mean, it was, I couldn't believe it either. Like, uh, just to do that or whatever, leave, leave California on that note was just amazing, right? You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, good, good memories. Uh, I, I think uh, everyone at least wants to know, by the way, uh, what your status is right now. As of uh, 2022, what's your, we know you have a shoulder injury. What's the latest on that? And what do you, when do you think you'll be back? Do you know? Uh, so right now we're just looking at, um, I had surgery last Wednesday, um, and got, got it all fixed up and I'm back here in Minnesota right now. Just, uh, got my arm in a sling here for the next month. We've got, uh, we'll start some light physical therapy, I think after that first month, hopefully. And then, um, I asked the doctor a little bit about maybe riding at month three. He kind of was like, uh, you're crazy. (laughs) Trying to see how things go right now, to be honest, guys, um, this was always like a skeleton in my closet from last year when the shoulder came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but with me getting hurt so much, I'm I'm fighting every year for a, for a job and for a, a winning bike. So uh, I probably should have got it fixed last year for sure. But if you'd gotten it fixed last year, same thing. It's putting the pressure on to even be back for the round one. Is that why last year you were not doing it, getting it fixed? Yeah, I mean, it would just would have been tight, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I might not have been able to. Uh, I thought about getting it fixed after I got hurt at Ironman um, mm-hmm. when I did my arm, but the problem was I would have missed the start of the Supercross season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So either way, it was like, you know, and I, I wanted to get a ride, so I gam- I took that gamble, you know. Yep. And uh, I thought I'd get the outdoor championship, and then with the injuries, I was weak, and my hand blew off the bars, you know. 
We will remember you going out though at Iron Man. Like Jet Lawrence was absolutely hauling, absolutely flying, pulling away, and then all of a sudden, oh my God, you somehow went even faster than that. So at least you went out swinging. <laughs> yeah, it's a good you point. Did go out swinging last it's a year. good point. You're yeah. right. It was impressive. Yeah, at least yeah. I went out, went out doing my job. You know, like this, this one getting hurt midweek. It's just a stinger. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. You know, did I need to be pushing that hard during the week? But you know, you're racing a guy like Jet, and you got to take the risk. So it's like you got to get better, right? The donut guy. Yep. The donut guy. Yeah, the donut man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, yeah, these are the things that fans who are, are listening to this, you know, these are the things that these guys go through. It's like, hey man, I need a contract. My shoulders hurt. I'm going to gamble. I don't. I can still go fast. Like all of these things behind the scenes that riders deal with all the time that we kind of don't hear about and we don't know about. And it, it, it has to do with how much pain you can take, how much you can practice, how, how much you want a contract, how, you know, all of this stuff, man. It's, it's not a, as good of a life as you have, Jeremy, two titles and money. And uh, like, this is the stuff behind the scenes that are like, man, this is the price you pay sometimes to, you know, be as good as you are. It sucks. Yeah, it does for sure. You know, and, especially when you stack, I've kind of stacked up some injuries here the last three years. So you, I think now's a good time. Obviously I got a long time before this thing gets healthy, but think about why this keeps happening. Um, and then how do you rebuild yourself to, to avoid these things in the future? Maybe, maybe you hire a, a, a riding coach or you find someone that can look into your life from a, from a big, from a 3000 foot view up and mm -hmm. maybe offer some insight and help me, you know, uh, so I can I can get back to winning, you know, and I I love what I do, but uh, you know the pace is getting stronger, everyone's getting more fit, and the equipment's getting better, so uh, it, it gets harder, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You got thirty-seven-year-old yep. Phil Nicoletti back in your class too, you know. So that 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 that, that sucks, <laughs> but <laughs> Philip. Um, all right, Jmart, thank you for the time, man. Uh, congratulations on all your success in the sport, and, and this day was, was super special, that's for sure. Uh, thanks for taking our listeners down uh, memory lane, man. Yeah, boys. All right, good stuff from Jmart. I, I love the training stories. I, I can't get enough of Johnny O training stories okay. with Phil and Alex tagging along, and Omera telling me for many times. Yeah, Omera and Omera telling me many times about how, yeah, man, they're, just, they're not paying. They're just riding with us. <laughs> so yeah i always like that part of it i love how our guy phil always complains about getting the short shaft from the industry and the sport and how he always gets screwed mm -hmm. uh he has been not screwed so many times yeah yeah no. the amount of sponsors and teams and people that have helped he, him radiologists with yeah radiologists <laughs> in new york and and truck <laughs> accessories in houston yeah. It's pay, just, just, paying him a lot of money to keep him on teams. Yeah, yep. here's Johnny Amaro's training for free, and oh, this industry screws you. <laughs> it's a great point. Have you ever asked him about that? Have you ever brought that up with him? I'm afraid. I'm yeah. honestly afraid yeah, to bring it up because he's the first one to tell you about everybody forgets you and your finishes and everyone screws you over. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, good, 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 good thinking about that wage for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks to Jeremy Martin for coming on. Uh, good stuff. Good stories as well. Um, and, uh, all right, let's get into the Lee at Reraceables categories, shall we? Um, who really won the race? Please don't say JG. JG. Oh my God. I knew you Come were going on, there. Come on, it's legendary, I, man. I, he won that moto. Glenn Heller had not been on the schedule for years. He wins the first moto of the season in the 450 class. It might've been the first 
wonder who raced first that day. I'd have to, that'd be tough to actually figure that out. As ridiculous as that sounds, uh, in the uh, highlight package, the first in, motor of the year. Yeah, in the highlight package, is four fifties first. If that means anything, I, I think it was yeah. right. So, hey, we haven't been at Glen Helen in years, and Josh Grant wins the first moto that we've had in years at Glen Helen. Oh yeah, oh yeah, give it to me. Oh, ridiculous. No, Jeremy Martin, he is the big winner for first ever national win. Now, national number nineteen, one one on the day. MSR gear two. MSR yes. goes one two. That's a yeah. That's a that's a bold one. Um, I believe uh, I believe they were MSR and they had a hint of Metal Militia. I believe they were sponsored yep. by Metal Militia yep. and had logos. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. At some point, and then let's not get into the whole. What year was it? The Star merged with Valley, and oh god, and all the sponsors were different, and everyone was promised different things, and <laughs> it's great. Good times. Oh, good times. Yeah, that was a bad one. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Star Valley Racing. Yeah, that was. There that. were like there were a lot of riders. I can't even remember. It was like Stroop, I think, it was on a 450. Like I can't even keep up. I, I don't know um, either. Um, yeah. But that. Uh, all right, you go, JG. I knew you. Were, I knew you were doing that. I knew. love it. Uh, I will do. Uh, I will do Jeremy Martin. Um, all right, who's that guy? Award uh, definitely just presented by uh, who's that guy? Um, well, a few things for me. So uh, there's a Sergey Atskayan from Russia. Not allowed to race now, Moscow. by the way. Moscow. <laughs> yes. I've never heard of that guy. I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, Jenny Mikhailov is there. Mikhailov. I believe our buddy Derek Rankin is working for Crayer Meats at this point. Um, Wait. Jericho Rankin was mechanic? Oh, he loves it. Oh, yeah. Oh, he loves it, oh. Jenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's wow, got a lot Crayor of meats. Yeah, back so, by Crayor meats. And I, and I remember I traced Crayor meats because uh, I'm like, who the what the hell is Crayor meats? And I traced the company in Florida, and it was nothing. It was like a warehouse with not, without even being labeled Crayor meats on Google Earth or something. And I'm like, this is for sure something sketchy. But Mikhail, yeah, surprising from a Russian rider to have backing from a company that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, it was really weird. But he was sponsored by Crayor yes. meats. He was a good rider. Uh, so I'll, if, if the obvious is Sergey. That's Kayan, 28th overall in the 450 class, uh, a couple spots behind some guy named Kay Clayson. But for, like, yeah. riders that are, you know, American-based or North American-based, um, I'll go Travis Freistad from Escondido, 36th overall, 37-34, never heard of him before or since. Travis Freestat is my Who's That Guy award. If I'm going to go North American, guys, if I'm not, then it's Sergey Estakin. Yeah, I was going to go Sergey Estakin because the uh, Russian athlete thing is just so hot right now. It's such a hot button topic uh, with riders, mm-hmm. or sorry, athletes, <clears throat> you know, almost every sport being banned from competition. Uh, and we all knew about <clears throat> Evgeny. He was here for a while and rode pretty well. But I did not remember a second Russian rider coming in at this no, time. no. Uh, so I would rather go with him as who's that guy. The only other one that really jumps out, but Hey, as always, Glenn Helen is kind of known. It's not quite Southwick. It's like a Southwick light of like local dudes from the area that know the track that just kill it at that national. Yep. Uh, so Keith Knight, who got 40th in the 450 class, 36, 40. Have you ever heard of him? No, I have not. Nope. No, nope. And, uh, some orange Vale, California. So another, you know, I guess Glenn Helen specialist. I remember Gordon Ward. I'm sure you remember Gordon oh, Ward. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. I remember the first year I went to Glen Helen. God, I think it was the 2002 National, and he was, like, killing it. And people were like, look at this guy with just long hair, this, like, six-foot-six guy with super long hair rips. And I'm like, 
It's just the way it goes out here, dude. I remember when I was a mechanic for like Birdwell and PJ1 team and we would go to Glen Helen and like some big names wouldn't uh, wouldn't qualify. Like Phil Lawrence didn't qualify one year. My buddy Jason Fournette didn't qualify one year. I remember wow. I remember JT being in tough to uh, to qualify because yeah. there were so many SoCal locals, you know? So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and Gordon Ward was a great rider in his time, but this is like <laughs> 10 years after Gordon Ward's prime. At yes. that point. He's oh, probably yes. like 40 years old oh, and yeah. still ripping. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Uh, Fowler, Terry Fowler was racing too yeah. long after he was uh, uh, at his prime. So, uh, Lit Kid Award, who you got? Did you take a look at it, anything? Uh, it's hard to honestly choose between Roxon and Dunge because they're both Fox KTM guys. I do like the color orange, and as I said, it's not a KTM thing. That is a Dukes of Hazard thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, way back then, KTMs were white, or maybe they were even Pentons, which I think were blue or green. Uh, anyway, uh, I- I'm just going to say it's one of the Fox KTM dudes. Uh, if you want to pick Dunger Rocks, and I don't know how you split the difference because they're on the same team, same gear, same yeah. company. Uh, yeah. Roxon had some aqua lime green stuff that looked good. Dunge was more like traditional stuff, but... Roxon and One Moto wore like green, lime green or blue with Red Bull stuff on it. Obviously, looked pretty good. Um, yeah, that's right. It was like greenish blue. That's right. Yep. 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 So I'll, yep. I'll go with that one. Or I saw a photo of Stu from this race, and he had all white seven stuff, mm. looking pretty good. So either one of those, oh, I'll, I'll accept either answer. Uh, where's JT? Well, uh, JT's retired at this point. Um, I'm sure he's there. I'm sure he's there. Oh, he's there. He's there. Yeah. He's got to be. There. Loves Glenn Helen too. Glenn yeah. Helen specialist. Yeah, Glenn, yep. big Glenn Helen guy. So, uh, yeah. where's JT? Retired, hanging out, watching from the fences. Uh, the Jacob Marsak Award for the guy who did the best that you never thought of. Well, Weech, I think there's only. I think there can only be one guy that comes to mind for me. Uh, but I'll start with you. Who you got? <laughs> I, I think I have a guess, and I will be honest when you say yours if I guessed right. Okay. Um, but I will say. Um, this this shouldn't be like this because he had several results that were this good. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone forgets. If you look at the top ten of the 250 class, here are some of the names in this mix. Are you ready? Yeah. Jeremy Martin, Cooper Webb, Cole Seeley, Blake Baggett, Christophe Porcel, all great riders, right? Mm-hmm. Justin Bolga was six, great rider. Marvin Muscan, Jesse Nelson, mm-hmm. Jason Anderson. These are great riders. That's top ten. Those are nine of them. Also, right in that mix, right in it, seventh overall. Matt Bichelia. There was a time where Matt Bichelia was right in that mix. And this was like his like first or second year. Mm-hmm. And uh, then like two, three years later, he's just, I think it was eventually on JGR Suzuki. He got hurt a bunch of times. And now he's just, he's a trainer at South of the Border. Like, he's right there with all these guys. Yeah. At one point. Yeah. And I think that's forgotten. Also forgotten. Jason Anderson getting third in the first moto uh, on a KTM. Didn't remember that. Um, 331. Oh, man. So he must have had a problem. Uh, Bichelli is a good yep. one for sure. Weege, I'll take it. Yep. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. He was, he had a lot of results, but yeah, there was another man who ventured over mm-hmm. in the 250 class who almost got top 10. He is a supercross specialist. I've seen this man race many times overseas and I do not remember him ever really doing this well outdoors, especially no, not in America. I didn't even know he tried a national. If you had told me he raced a national, I would have said, I don't think so. Supercross only. Valentin Tillier, yes, from France, <laughs> looking good. Is that who you had for me? Oh, I knew it. Okay, I knew right. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twelve sixteen on the day, almost cracking the top ten again. A Supercross specialist, 
Good style, though. Good form. Always looked good on the bike. I've seen this gentleman race quite a bit, whether it's Geneva or uh, Bercy over the years. And, uh, yeah, 12-16. Good job, Valentin Tillier. Yeah. You were big on the TA hype. I was. Uh, it must have been before. I'm looking at his results here. His first year racing Supercross is 2014. So it must have been going into 2014. And you weren't just making this up. Like, this is based on real data of watching him ride in Bercy and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, this, like the style. Like the skill. <laughs> you know that. I mean, you know. I, I, I've been a fan. You were, you were flying the TA fa- uh, flag, and it didn't go well. Um, you know, no, no. 15, 17, no. 16 at the Supercrosses that he did. If you had told me that the best result he ever had in America was actually... Glenn Helen? Wait a minute. What, this... Hold on. Okay. If you look at the results, your wig is going to be completely and totally blown back to the point where I am going to assume that this is a typo. There is no way. What? What? According to the results that I'm looking at in Racer S, in 2018, he got ninth in the 450 class at the Ironman National. How can that be? We would remember this, wouldn't we? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think. Uh, was, this the su- was this the super muddy day? It was the super muddy day. Okay, then yeah. Okay. He, he got, oh yeah, T Dags seven eighth or seven six for T Dags in six. Okay, so if T Dags is going seven six <laughs> for sixth overall, T A ninth is in play. Yes, because he's a Euro and he can ride in the mud. Yes. Okay. One hundred percent. It's the day that Chad came back for JGR and whole shot both motos. Yeah, inside from gate. the inside gate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just look at these results from the four fifty oh twenty eighteen. Ooh, we might have identified another episode of the Yeah. 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 That mud race. Is that the one where they couldn't even – they basically could barely have practice hey, in the morning? Hey, scroll down. Scroll down to 24th overall that day. <laughs> uh, at the Ironman one? Yeah. Yeah. In the 450? Yeah. Anderson? Yeah. Look at his moto scores. 19 DNS. Oh. I'm over it. Okay, no, no. So on my computer, I have oh. 19,889. Oh, sorry. Never change, AMA. So, Never change. He got 889th, according to my vault. That's how bad. That's how bad the conditions were. <laughs> God. He was back in Indianapolis. He's so far back. Um, yeah, that's 19, and uh, it's muddy on that race in Moto2. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what that A- is. Absolutely. And Valentin Tellier, 810, ninth overall. So, what a day. So, T.A. So goes 13th overall at Glen Helen 2014. And then four and a half years later, returns to America for one race. Yeah. And it rains and he gets top 10. Right. And T-Dags <laughs> go 7-6 on the day. So. Was Canada, I mean, is Canada hanging their, their, their flag on this? Like putting a pole in the I ground? I don't remember. I, I don't remember that much T-Dags type. I'll have to get this going again. I'll have to get it going. I, I don't remember there being. Yeah. Good job for T-Dags. I know I picked him in fantasy that day. I definitely know that. Um, and he crushed it. So I, I uh, thank you, T-Dags. But, yeah, Valentin Tellier is my Jacob Marsak Award winner, and he will be my Jacob Marsak Award winner if we ever do the Ironman 450 race also. Yeah, this is perfect. I, I did not even know T.A. ever raced a national here, let alone got 13th. Right. So, well, I've always had my eye on him. I always had my eye on him. He's, <laughs> you uh, did. He's uh, <laughs> uh, the, mo- the old school Ferrado. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Someday I'll have to explain this whole Ferrado thing to me. I'm trying. I'm trying to learn it. I'm trying to get on the – it's like learning the surf. It's very it's difficult ninth, to get on this. Ninth uh, overall right now in MXGP. So, yeah. Uh, I know. Is it the sunglasses? Is it the talking? I don't know what it is. Ferrado, there's something about them. Yep, absolutely. I'm glad you agree. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, that's it. That's for the re-raceables from Liet. Um, Glen Helen 2014. Uh, good, good, good time. A, a changing of the guard. 
Thanks to Jeremy Martin for coming on. Thank you to Guts Racing, of course, the new guys on board. Guts Racing, Scott, Max's Pro Taper, all on board, and of course the folks at Liat as well. Uh, all right, we jump. Um, so we've had a few in the tank, um, and this is the last one. We don't have a next one planned right now. We're going to do more, of course. Yep. Let, let's hear from you people. Mm. Let's hear from you people. DM myself or Weege with some race oh, ideas. Just regular old Twitter. Doesn't have to be DM. Okay. Get the conversation going. It's more okay. fun that way. All right. Tweet us. Tweet us then. <clears throat> do not DM yep. us. Tweet us what races you want to see and maybe even who you want us to talk to from that race and give us some ideas because Weege and I haven't kicked anything around lately, but we got to keep doing these for you people. So it uh, should be interesting to, to hear from you guys. Tweet us. Let us know what you think. Thank you to Jeremy Martin, of course, for his time for this podcast and uh, the sponsors as well. And, and you, Weege. Thanks, buddy. I think we should get, uh, you know, we should do that Iron Man mutter from 2018 and uh, maybe talk to Anderson about his 880th. Can we hmm. get him? Yeah, I think, we, yeah right. I think we can get him. Why don't you get him and then I'll just be silent on the other end? <laughs> that'd be great. Just, yeah, just on the other, like hiding in the corner, <laughs> holding the phone. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> well, let's, or we can go, we can talk to T-Dags. He'll, he'll, he'll we can talk to T-Dags. Yeah, talk to T-Dags. Yes, right. T-Dags will do it. Yeah, right, for sure. All right. Thanks, All right, everybody. Boys. Thanks, Weech. See ya.